You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Oh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your dorky host, Sean McCormick, and I'm a life coach, I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, I'm a dad, and a meditator, and a weirdo, and it is really my pleasure to bring you today's episode with Dr. Bruce Lipton. Dr. Bruce Lipton is an internationally recognized leader in bridging science and consciousness, personal development. Uh, originally was a stem cell biologist and the best-selling author of The Biology of Belief. You know, he's been guest speakers on TV shows and radio shows and a keynote speaker for national and international audiences. He's uh, He started as a cell biologist, um, very analytical, very science-based, and um, through time and understanding, um, learning about the world around him and how consciousness works, how quantum theory works, um, emerged as as an author of, of a different ilk, um, focusing on largely on consciousness. Today's episode is really not only fascinating, but totally practical. In today's episode, we cover the differences between the conscious and the subconscious mind. You know, we talk about the conscious mind as being creative and the subconscious mind as being habitual. He gives us three powerful practical techniques for reprogramming our subconscious mind. I'm just going to throw a few stats out at you. 95% of our reality, of our consciousness, of what we do and how we behave and how we operate through the world is based on our subconscious programming. And that subconscious programming was developed in the third trimester before we were born up to the age of seven, in which we remained in this hypnotic theta state. And up until the age of seven, we basically just sort of absorb and download social norms, behaviors, habits that becomes the sort of script for how we run and operate our lives. And man, oh man, when you really think about that and you think about what are the sort of assumptions that you make about your life, you can think back to, well, where the hell did I get that? And we get really deep into not only how that works for us or how it doesn't work for us. Um, the fact is, is that most of the messages, most of the narrative, the script that we're operating from is disempowering. And so when stuff doesn't go well for us, we feel like victims and that is not productive. That is not going to get us the life that we want. We talk in today's episode about how energy psychology modalities can provide you with an opportunity to engage super learning for new skills, kind of like speed reading. And we talk about this new technology, what I have never heard about, which is called magnetoencephalogram. So this is um, unlike an electroencephalogram, an EEG, uh, a magnetoencephalogram uh, is a test that proves that our thoughts can be measured outside of our body. So this is not touching our body at all, but, but, but scientists and researchers can literally read your thoughts outside of your body without touching you at all. And this, this just blows the lid off of, of how we think about what our thoughts do in the world. We talk a little bit about quantum physics. We talk about how it applies in our life. And I, I'm, I'm just really excited to bring this episode to you because it, it's fascinating. He's a fascinating person and 
Um, I really hope that you listen to this really carefully. There is some audio problem just kind of in and out, you know, um, he had, uh, he had sort of a rough connection on his site. So the Skype baddies were, were back a little bit. It doesn't really take away from the message at all. You know, the audio, audio quality is good. It's just, it's choppy in a couple of places, but it, uh, it's not going to distract from the greater purpose of this episode. As always, please follow me on Instagram, Real Sean McCormick, S-E-A-N McCormick, Real Sean McCormick. Follow us, uh, follow the podcast, Optimal Performance Podcast on Instagram. Head to my website, seanmccormick.com to understand some of the things that I'm into and that I work on, um, the services that I offer as far as coaching. You know, some of us, a lot of us don't have any idea what a coach does, what a life coach or performance coach does. And if you can think about um, when you were growing up and you had coaches, they would help you be better at the sport that you were playing. And what I do is I help you be better. I help you get from point A to point B and to achieve your goals faster. And some of that is through your mental frameworks. Some of that is through your physical performance. Some of that is through your spiritual awareness. And some of that is through your sort of general life purpose, what you're supposed to do here on this life. Okay. That is enough for me. I am so excited to bring you today's guest. If you love this, let me know. If you hate this, let me know. I want to know all of it. If you would please leave us a five-star review, it would really take like one minute or less for you to jump on there and just drop us a five-star review if this resonates with you. That would be the, the highest compliment that we can get. We don't we don't charge a Patreon. There's no paywall. We're not charging you to listen to this stuff. So it would mean a lot to me if you could pay pay me with a comment, pay me with a five-star review on iTunes. That would be massive and share it with your friends and family. All right, everybody, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Bruce Lipton. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for uh, for making this work, and I appreciate your team making time for us. Well, I, I appreciate this opportunity because the whole idea of my life is to get a message out to the public. So if they change their life, my life gets better. So uh, uh, this is an opportunity to talk to an audience that is looking for some answers. So I'm glad to be here with you. Well, it's a pleasure. Well, let's 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 just kick it off. We've got, we've got a good signal and, uh, let's just dive into it because I want to pack as much uh, good stuff into this as we can. Here I am. (laughs) Cool. Um, so one of the things that, that I, I've been a fan of yours for years. I've, I've, I've read you and I followed you and, and, and I think that the, the concepts that you focus on and the ideas that you present are are both very uh, simple because it, it it focuses on mindset. It focuses on the internal space at which we operate through the world and seeing how this is the optimal performance podcast. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on the definition of what you think. Uh, performance is. Can you give us what does the word? What does that word mean to you? Uh, 
Well, I guess it's a tough one because we could talk for an hour or two. So if I try and summarize it, then uh, performance is our ability to make appropriate responses to uh, world needs and desires or whatever we're working on. I'm performing right now. Okay, we're performing a conversation. Uh, and so the idea is my engagement with others is a performance. My engagement to myself is not a performance. That's an inside story. But once I start engaging with others, then we're on a stage. And we're all participants in a in a stage program. And so my performance on that stage, which is for most people very different than their performance when they're at home and not on the stage. <laughs> and that's uh, where the conflicts arise most of the time. Right. Well, that begs the question. Let's get right into it. You know, for for people who are looking to either live a healthier life, have a better emotional states or just um, um, live their life from the inside out um, at a higher vibration without getting, and we can get into the woo. I'm not afraid of the woo. I'm, I, I live in the woo, so I'm okay going there. But um, do you think that it's challenging for people, even if they know everything that you've presented and they understand their subconscious mind and they understand the principles of quantum physics, is there a optimal operating system internally for us to live our best possible lives? Uh, absolutely. The, the idea is this. Um, uh, the whole story that we're all talking about now, and it's going to really capture everything that we're going to talk about, is the relationship of the mind to the world that we're experiencing. And to understand that, the first thing is to clear up a misperception because people say the mind, like, oh, that's a single thing. I go, no, the mind has two interdependent elements that work together, sometimes in harmony, and some, uh, but they're different. Uh, they're different in their function, and they're different in the ability to learn. So let's identify each part and recognize what it represents. Uh, the latest evolution of the brain is a lobe of tissue right behind your forehead here called the prefrontal cortex. So when you look at the brain, there's like a little extension, like a hood sticking out. Uh, and this is the seed of what we call the conscious mind. And so uh, the rest of the brain behind that is collectively referred to as the subconscious mind. So we have conscious and subconscious. So what's the difference? Conscious mind uh, is the place where we exist as individuals. Whether that's our identity, our spirituality, our uniqueness, each person's conscious mind is their element. So is, is there somebody in the conscious mind? Say, yes, you. You're in the conscious mind, okay? The conscious mind, by definition, is creative. And this is what allows humans to go far beyond other animals because we can have an imagination and using our creative mind, we can manifest an imagination. So this is really great. Lower animals don't have this. Their lives are more subconscious. And subconscious is uh, not, not creative as much as it's habitual. And so I have a habit mind and a creative mind. I have conscious, creative, subconscious habit. And I say, what's the difference? I say, the creative mind as it emphasizes the ability to take an idea and manifest an expression of that idea. I say, and what about the habit mind? I say, oh, those have programs in it that allow us to operate very effectively, efficiently, and very fast. Uh, and once we learn a program, we don't have to relearn it again. Uh, and so I say, creative mind, conscious, habitual mind, subconscious, okay? 
the subconscious uh, is uh, is really just um, stimulus from business programs that we've learned. Okay, and the significance is that it's very fast, and also it holds on to a memory of something that might be very complex. And I say, okay, first of all, let's just take a quick uh, overview and say. For most people, the conscious mind is our wonderful creative mind, and the subconscious mind to many is, oh, the place where all the evil comes from and all the stuff I don't want comes from there. And so we give it a real negative thing. And I go, first, let's recognize this. The subconscious mind is not good or bad. It's a mechanism. All it is is a mechanism to record a behavior, and once it's recorded, ability to push a button and automatically play that behavior without any thinking or, or, or effort involved. And it's really good. I'll give example. Uh, when did you uh, learn how to walk? <laughs> Before you were two. Have you had to relearn how to walk? I go, no, you could be 100 years old and you're still using the exact same habit program that you got when you were two. So I say, well, it's really great because if you had to wake up every day and remember how to walk and you didn't remember how to walk, I say, it would take you all day to learn how to walk. And then when you go to bed and you wake up in the morning, you have to start all over again. I say, thank God we have a program so I don't have to relearn it again. And there are things. So you learn how to drive. You learn how to play uh, instruments. Uh, we learn the character, you know, behaviors of our life. And that makes, uh, makes it really fast for us because we then have more time for creativity and less time for relearning the same habit again and again. Okay. So subconscious mind, not evil. It's just a repository of programs. Okay. Why do we why do we have the difference between the two minds? Consider I buy a brand new computer, okay, and it has an operating system. So I get the computer home, I turn it on, and it boots up, and now I say, do something with it. I say, well, wait, uh, I, I have an operating system, but I don't have any programs. I, I can't write, uh, I can't do a spreadsheet, I can't do any art. I say, why not? Because if you don't have any program, you can't use the system. So I say, why is this relevant to us? I say, a developing child's brain is like a computer. The operating system is built in first. But the issue is this. Now I have an operating system. What am I going to do with it? And it's like, oh, you don't have any programs. Ah, then to, you have to put the programs in first before you can exercise the behavior. So I say, well, how does this occur? And I go, ah, now this is an important part. It says that to download programs, you have to be, your brain is operating at a different vibrational frequency. And I go, what does that mean? I say, well, you put wires on a person's head and you could read brain activity. It's called EEG, electroencephalograph. I say, well, as an adult, we have a whole range of different vibrational frequencies, very high vibration and very low vibration and a whole range. Uh, right now, if people are paying attention to what we're doing, they're operating in a higher vibration in the brain called beta, which is active consciousness. And I could read that by putting the wires on your head. But when you go home and you're ready to retire for the evening, you slow down the vibration and the next lower vibration is called alpha, which is calm consciousness. So you go home and you start to relax, you get calm and everything. But at the moment you start to fall asleep, the vibration drops even a little bit lower than alpha. Now the vibration is called theta. Uh, and I say, well, why is that relevant? Because theta is not conscious mind. Theta is subconscious, okay? And I say, so what's the relevance? I say, remember I said we need to put some programs in. I say, well, how do you put programs in? Well, you can learn them. You can give an infant a giant book of here's the behavior to be a member of a community and all the rules, thousands of them. I say, of course an infant can't do that. So I say, ah, oh, nature helps. 
Nature helps because for the first seven years of our life, we are operating at theta, below consciousness. I say, so how does it work? I say, the subconscious mind is like a video recorder. It observes everybody around, the parents, the family, the community, observes their behavior, and like a video recorder, downloads their behavior into our mind as programs, okay? So I say, ah, so I'm learning how to be a member of a family, and I'm learning how to be a functional member of a community by nothing more than observing everyone around in a state of theta and downloading that behavior into my subconscious mind. So that's how I install the programs. But after age seven, when my conscious mind kicks in, it can use these programs, but because conscious is creative, it can also change the program if it wants to and not follow it exactly the same. That's the freedom of conscious mind. Okay, so here we got two minds. Conscious creative, but it cannot be creative without a program, so that comes from subconscious mind. Subconscious mind downloads these automatically because the brain function of a developing child is at a lower vibration called theta, which is hypnosis. So we learn the programs not by studying and learning like when we're older. We learn the programs by nothing more than observing and recording. So I say then the fundamental programs that come into your mind are coming into the subconscious, not with your conscious mind even being aware. It's just a recorder watching everybody. And I go, well, there's a problem because conscious mind could filter out what might be good versus bad behavior. But if the conscious mind's not working, all behavior is downloaded, whether it's good or bad. I say, so what's the relevance? And the answer is psychologists will tell you about 70% of these downloaded by not thinking, it's not thinking, it's just observing, downloading. 70% of these are disempowering or self-sabotaging programs that when we play them, we're not advancing our lives, we're threatening our lives by playing these programs, okay? But I say, look, after age seven, you can operate from conscious mind, that's creative mind. So I say, so I don't need to worry about the programs because I'm going to be creative and I'll write, you know, I'll, I'll write them or read them the way I want consciously. I go, well, this is really cool, except for this is the most important fact now. Conscious mind is not only creative, but conscious mind can think. I guess, so? I say, thinking is an inside job, not an outside expression. So I say, okay, uh, tell me what you want out of your life. Well, that's creative. I say, fine. I want to be healthy. I want to be wealthy. I want to have a great relationship. I want to have a great job. I go, that's very creative thinking. That's conscious mind. And then I go, well, that's great. Let's run our lives with that. Now we find out, but when the conscious mind is thinking, it's not paying attention to the outside because thinking is inside. So I say, hey, tell me what you're doing on Saturday at three o'clock. If you don't have it written down in front of you, I said, where are you going to get the answer from? He said, oh, I'm thinking about the answer. I go, ah, here's the issue. Sum it up. The mind is driving the body like a vehicle. The vehicle, this is a body, okay? And we're moving through the world. The mind is what's driving and holding onto the wheel and taking us here and there. So I go, when we're in the conscious mind, that's when we're driving the vehicle toward wishes and desires, what you want. That's creative consciousness. So when consciousness got its hands on the wheels, we're going toward wishes and desires. But conscious mind can think. And that's why I brought up before. I said, well, conscious mind's holding onto the wheel, driving us. Conscious mind lets go of the wheel. 
because conscious mind has to go inside. Inside is where thinking occurs, not outside. So my attention is no longer directed to the outer world when I'm thinking. It's going inside going, what am I doing on Saturday? What am I doing on Saturday? And I say, well, why is it relevant? Point is profound. When my conscious mind has its hands on the wheels of my vehicle and is driving it, it's taking me toward wishes and desires. Okay. But when my conscious mind is thinking, it lets go of the wheel. Why? It's not observing anymore what's going on. It went inside. I say, well, what if I'm walking down the street or what if I'm driving a car and I have a thought? Does that mean that my conscious mind's not paying attention? I go, yep. I say, yeah, but if I'm thinking driving a car, fortunately, uh, uh, when I come back to pay attention, I realize I didn't get into an accident. I didn't hit anybody. I'm driving the speed limit. I'm doing everything. I'm going, well, then who's handling the wheel when conscious mind is thinking? I go, subconscious is autopilot. Now, the important part about that is when conscious is not paying attention, subconscious programs are directing the behavior. Yeah, but the subconscious programs don't re represent my wishes and desires. They represent whatever I downloaded from my parents, my family, and community. So when I am thinking, I'm not controlling my life. My life is now programmed. And it's, it, the subconscious is a million times more powerful than the conscious mind. So it's not that you lose any ability. In fact, the subconscious mind is more effective, let's say, at driving the car. So if, if you're a in a car and you're about to go into an accident, guess what? Your body will shut off your conscious mind. Why? It's too slow. And all of a sudden you'll start to behave, hitting the brakes, turning the wheels without any thinking. Why? Because subconscious is really fast. So uh, the subconscious mind has this ability. And I go, okay, so now let's put it in perspective of our life. I wake up in the morning with wishes and desires. So I put my hands on the wheel and say, today, I'm going out and I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to get a great job and I'm going to find a great relationship. I say, yeah, that's all the creative wishes. I go out during the day and I come home at night going, geez, didn't happen today. You know, it, it was a struggle all day long. I didn't get my wishes or anything. And I say, what does that mean to the individual? And here's where the problem comes from. Since you think you're controlling your life with your wishes and desires when you left in the morning and you come home and it didn't work, then you have to say, well, well, I'm a victim because I wanted to be successful. It didn't work. So out there, nature, universe, whatever it is, is not supporting me. And almost everybody goes home at night failing in their wishes and desires, but accepting the fact that, hey, it wasn't me because I wanted to be successful. It didn't happen. So it, <laughs> it prevented me, it being something else, which means I am a victim. I wanted success. It sure as heck didn't happen. So must be outside. And then everybody walks home and says, yeah, don't, life didn't work today. And I, you know, uh, uh, the joke to me is sort of like, um, uh, you have a gun in your hand. You don't realize it all day long. You shoot yourself in the foot. But now you look at your foot and goes, oh my God, who shot me in the foot? And you don't even know that the smoking gun is still in your hand because you shot yourself in the foot all day long but you didn't see you were doing this subconscious, meaning below conscious behavior. And, and, and therefore, we all perceive ourselves as victims. If we become aware of the programming, then all of a sudden we have the first opportunity to recognize, wait a minute, I'm the one that's creating this. I am creating through this program. 
But since 70% of the downloads that we got in that first seven years are disempowering and I'm using it and I say, how much, how much am I using the, the conscious versus the subconscious? This number is profound. 5% of the day we are creating our life with our creative conscious mind going toward wishes and desires. 95% of the day, our life is coming from the programs that were downloaded in the subconscious, primarily from observing other people. So 5% you're creating the life you want, 95% you're creating the life of the program. But because it's subconscious, below conscious, you don't see that you're even involved. All you see is the result. So uh, here's a story that I've presented like 30 years, same story. So people have heard it. Fine. It's the best story I can tell. Uh, and the story goes like this. You have a friend. You know your friend's behavior very, very well. And you happen to know your friend's parent. And one day you see that your friend is doing the same behavior that their parent does. So you, you get all excited because you want to tell your friend, you know, it's like, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And I go back away from Bill. The moment you say Bill's just like his dad, he goes ballistic and says, how can you compare me and my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. You know, we're I'm very different than my dad. Uh, and, I, and people laugh and they laugh because they've had this personal experience where they've seen somebody do this behavior, but they will not acknowledge they did the behavior because I'm not like my dad. And the fact is, well, wait, that's interesting. Everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. The only one who doesn't see it is Bill. I go, well, how does that, how does that work? I go, A, he downloaded the behavior from his dad before age seven. B, when he's thinking, Bill's mind is directed inward and he lets go of the wheel. The subconscious steps in as autopilot to drive while the conscious mind is thinking, but the autopilot's program didn't come from us. It came from other people. So whatever behavior is being played, I can't see it. But other people see it, and that's why Bill cannot see his own behavior, but other people can. And if most of those behaviors are negative, which they are, then that means Bill, during the day, is sabotaging himself by playing these subconscious programs, yet he's totally unaware that he's doing the programming. All Bill sees is the result. And I go, wow, well, this is important. You know why? We are all Bill. Every one of us out there is Bill because every one of us is only controlling our life 5% of the day with our creative wishes and desires. And 95% of our behavior is playing subconsciously below our conscious. Uh, and, and most of those are negative. So the result is this. Our lives are failing. We perceive that we're victims and we weren't even observing that it was our own behavior that is, you know, causing the conflict like Bill. So we're all wondering how come my life isn't working and blaming some outside thing as that's the cause of my problem and not recognizing, oh my God, you were creating with a negative program. What do you expect from that? Okay. So th this is the issue where we give up power, the belief that we are creators, buy into the belief I'm a victim and I said, well, what does it mean if you buy into a victim? I said, you own disempowerment. Victim means I have no power. So all of us are walking around claiming we're victims, which means we have no power and accepting the crap that comes into our life as, oh, my God, the universe is dumping on me. We were creating that and we didn't see it. So 
We didn't see we were involved, but unfortunately, we are creators of our life experience. And, and it's interesting because it sounds very new agey. I go, hey, quantum physics came into our world in 1925, and one of the primary principles of this science, and let me sidebar this, quantum physics is the most valid, truthful science on planet Earth. There is no science that has been tested more thoroughly and proven to be more accurate than quantum physics. So that's a starting point. I say, why is it relevant? Because quantum physics is emphasizing the principle that consciousness is creating our life experiences. And if we own that truth from this science, then it says basically, well, if I don't like my, like my life experiences, I don't go out there and t change other people. I have to go in here and change me. My program is causing the problem. And if I take over the program, then I am empowered. By the time that we reach age seven, we're just absorbing, downloading um, this sort of standard cultural norms, behavioral norms that are just around us, you know, by by our parents or guardians um, and cartoons or whatever. So if by if by seven we have the we're just we, we turn seven, then is it is it up to us for the rest of our lives to input better programs, more positive, more empowering, more initiative, more agency from there on out without fear? Is it enough to, you know, post Osho quotes on our Instagram pages and, uh, and, and maybe meditate, you know, for, for 20 minutes a day? Does that go far enough to begin to reprogram the subconscious mind to bring what is subconscious forward into the conscious mind so that now our operating system is not you've been a bad boy and now is you can do anything like is that how how what techniques are there in order to get us to that place well the first thing we have to understand is this a we are program b 95% of our life is coming from subconscious program. The, the reason why that number is very critical so people understand it's not just a random number is that, as I said, the creative conscious mind has the wishes and desires. And when it's got its hands on the wheels, we move in that direction. But the conscious mind can think, as we mentioned, and that means it goes inside. And therefore, now we're being driven by the subconscious program. And the issue about that is, well, we look at our lives and we've been led to believe that uh, we're just victims of the world thing. Now we're looking at it and say, wait, my subconscious is my life experience. 95% of my life comes from it. So my life is a printout of my subconscious programming. And I say, well, what is your subconscious program? So, Sean, you know, we're standing around. I say, tell me what you program you got when you were zero. And you go, I wasn't there. I don't know. Okay, when you were one. I, no. Two. No. Uh, and I say, uh-oh, you were programmed, and yet you weren't conscious of the programming, so your conscious mind at this moment cannot accurately go back and tell me what programs I got before, especially age three or four, when we start to realize that something is going on. So I say, oh my God, we're totally unaware of these programs because they were installed before consciousness was even worked. Because if you want to change your life, you have to know the program. <laughs> and I say, so what is the program? I go, well, here's the easy answer. 95% of our life is coming from the subconscious programming. Point is, our life is a printout of our program. 
ah, relevance. I don't have to go back in history to see what the heck the programs are. They're operating right now. <laughs> They're operating 95% of the day right now. So I can say, oh, well, I can access the pro, you know, but the programs real easily by what? Look at your life. It's a printout. So I give a very, you know, quick overview and I say, the things that you like and appreciate that come into your life come in because you have a program to acknowledge that. But the things that we struggle with, work hard over, sweat over, put a lot of effort. Why are we working so hard to manifest those things? And the answer inevitably is the program doesn't support that conclusion. And you're trying to override the program. That's where the effort is being involved. So I say, oh, great. I don't have to go back. I can tell you what my program is. Wherever I'm struggling in life, where I have a destination I want, but I can't get there easily is because my program doesn't support that destination. So now you know, let's say you're looking for a relationship and you're failing and you're failing and you're failing. It's not that the universe won't give you a relationship. Your invisible subconscious program is pushing away relationships. So whatever you learned in the beginning about relationships, it wasn't a program to encourage it. It was a program that discourages it. If you have parents that had issues in their relationship and you grew up in that family, by definition, you downloaded their behavior. If they had trouble in their lives, now you have downloaded that same program in your life and you will manifest it when you're older, when you're starting to look for a relationship and find it's not easy, it's difficult. And I go, why? Because you're using the same behavior your parents used, which didn't make life good for them. So all of a sudden it says, good, I have an idea. These are the things I want in my life. These are the things I struggle to obtain in my life. Then I say, then inevitably your program is counter to what you want. And all of a sudden, so I say, oh my God, I have bad relationship skills. Why? I can't make a relationship. Every time I try, it fails. So I say, oh, it's not the universe saying, oh, hey, you can't have a relationship because you're a jerk. You can't have a relationship because your programming is not encouraging a relationship. It was negative when you download it. It's negative when you're playing it. So immediate start is this. My life is not working the way I want it to work because I have great wishes and desires and I'm not manifesting. Then I go, great. Your wishes and desires, those are perfect for you if you want them. The problem is your subconscious is working 95% of the day because that's the amount of time you spend thinking. And when you're thinking, you give way to the subconscious to take over. And then all of a sudden I say, oh, my God, it's my programming. And I say, well, great. I say, what do you want to do? I say, I want to change the program. I say, well, first of all, you have to be creative. What is it you want? <laughs> and then I say, well, let's say. Uh, I want a good relationship. I said, well, good. You want to program what you just said? I said, what do you mean? I said, what was you just said? I want a good relationship. I said, okay, fine. You know what? Let's record that right now. I want a good relationship. Okay. Now I say, come back in a year and let's hear that recording. And a year later, I come back in and what's the recording say? I want a good relationship. I said, Guess what? Your whole year, you're not going to get a good relationship because you programmed want a good relationship. You didn't say I have a good relationship. So your program will always get you in I want, but will never succeed in getting there. You have to put in a program that's counter to the life that you have right now, but you have to put it in as if you had what you want. I am 
a good relationship person or I love myself or people, you know, whatever it is. It's not, I will have a relationship. I am a good relationship or, you know, whatever the program you want. It has to be positive present tense. This is very critical because if you want to program it, I say, what's the nature of the programming? So here's the key that unlocks that. And it goes like this. The function of the mind is to create coherence between your beliefs and your reality. I guess so the function of the mind is to take your belief and make it real. <laughs> so I say, well, if you have a program that is sabotaging you, then the function of the mind is to sabotage you so your program is real. You got a program, you were not lovable, you're going to seek love your whole life, and guess what? If the program is you're not lovable, you can't find love because if you find love, that doesn't agree with the program. So if you have a program you're not lovable, you will unconsciously sabotage every relationship to assure at the end of the day your program is correct. I knew I wasn't lovable, and look, nobody's here. <laughs> what a coincidence. I go, it's not a coincidence. You're manifesting the program. So we're now getting down to the point that I'm creating my life, but not with my conscious wishes and desires. 95% of my life is coming from the programs that I downloaded, and the vast majority of those are disempowering and self-sabotaging. Voila! That's the struggle of life. I go, well, wait a minute. If I can rewrite the program, then I'm not a victim of the program. I go, yes. And I go, but here's the problem. I said the two minds have different functions, conscious, creative, subconscious, habitual. But what I must emphasize now is this. They learn in different ways. So I want to teach my subconscious a new program. I go, well, how do you do that? I say, well, my conscious mind learns in creative ways. Listening to this conversation, going, uh, reading a self-help book, going to a lecture, watching a video, I can download the, these ideas, okay? Uh, uh, and so the relevance about that is the conscious mind is very adapted to creative thinking. Change the idea, you change the conscious mind. I just go, aha, I have a new idea. I just changed my conscious mind because it's creative. Subconscious mind is the habit mind. I say, why is it relevant? Well, if habits would change just randomly like that, then it's not a habit anymore. A habit is a program that resists change. So by definition, the first thing is this. Your conscious mind is creative and has wishes and desires, but it only works 5%. Your subconscious mind has programs, works 95% of the day, but the programs are habits. They will not change randomly. And I say, so thank goodness I learned how to walk before I was two. I'm 75. I'm still walking. I'm using the same habit. Why? It resists change. But that's where the problem comes in. If I have a negative habit and I want to change it, ah, now you have to like jump over a hurdle <laughs> because the whole idea was it didn't want to change in the first place. So I said, well, how, how do I change conscious and subconscious? I said, conscious, you can change this by, I have a new idea. It just changed. Okay. Subconscious, I have a new idea. Big deal. I still have the same program. <laughs> so the idea is, well, then how do I change subconscious? Because now the whole crux of the problem is if my life isn't working right, it's because of my programming. And if I don't like the programming, I want to change the subconscious. I have to learn how to push the record button. How do you get that thing to record? I go, ah, oh, first seven years, last trimester of pregnancy through first seven years. 
my brain was functioning at a lower vibration than consciousness. Remember, with the wires on my head, the vibration is called theta. It's just below consciousness. So I'm operating from subconscious. Conscious is not even involved. I said, well, then how, how does it learn? I say, because in the first seven years, theta, the vibration of the brain, is hypnosis. It's also imagination. So it's expressed as imagination. So a child can live in the real and the imaginary world at the same time. They could ride a broom. The mother says, give me the broom. But the child on that broom, it's not a broom. It's a horse. To that child, you say, give me the broom. And the child's got, what broom? This is a horse. Because they mix the real world and the imaginary world. Okay? So the idea about that is then theta is uh, hypnosis. And I say, okay, first seven years, how'd you get the program? I didn't have to work at it. All I had to do was observe like a video recorder, boom, download it, download it, download it. But after age seven, it doesn't work that way. But I say, well, can I access the hip, the hypnosis phase, theta? I go, yes, but you have to understand this. As an adult, the vibrations of our brain ramp up to higher and higher levels. The focus consciousness that people are paying attention to us now is called beta. That's a higher vibration. That's creative focus consciousness. But when you go home and you start to relax, the vibration slows down into a relaxed uh, consciousness called alpha. It's calm consciousness. So the vibration slows down. And as you're getting ready to go to bed, the vibration even drops lower than alpha, which that means you're no longer conscious. That means you just fell asleep. I, I, I was lowering the vibration, lowering it, and boom, because my vibration is lower than alpha, which is consciousness, but lower than alpha is theta. But that's the record one. I go, yes. So no, the moment is, the moment your conscious mind disconnects as you go to sleep, the next period of brain function is theta. I say, what's that? I said, information coming into the system is not going into consciousness. It's being downloaded directly into subconscious hypnosis. Okay. So the idea about it is this. I'm awake. Boom. I went to sleep. Next moment of time, my conscious mind is not hearing what's going on. It's sleeping. But subconscious is open. And anything it hears is now going into subconscious but not affecting consciousness because that's disconnected. So I want you to change a program. I need you to get into a state of hypnosis, which means I need you to get into theta. I said, but you do this every night when you go to bed. So if you put earphones on as you go to bed with a program that you would like to be in your life, a, a success program and jobs, health, relationships, whatever it is, you put the earphones on, you're still awake. And <clears throat> as you lay down on your pillow, you can start to hear with the conscious mind some of the programming. But in a moment, Alpha goes to sleep. And I say, well, then what happens? Well, you're sleeping. Conscious mind doesn't even hear a damn word what you're talking about in the program because now the program is going straight into the subconscious. Ah, well, that's how you learned in the first seven years. So this is called self-hypnosis. I want to change a program. I put on the earphones. I play a program that my subconscious is going to hear. And I'm not going to hear it with my conscious mind because that's sleeping. And so that, it was really cool. And I say, why? It's so cool is you're not even involved in the effort. <laughs> you're actually sleeping. And the program's going into the subconscious. You wake up and, and you could be putting in a new behavior at night. And you wake up and now you have a new behavior. But it's called self-hypnosis. So number one, 
I find I have a struggle in life. I say, what is that struggle? I say, turn it around and make it a positive present tense belief statement. Okay. You're having trouble with a relationship. How about this as a belief? I am lovable. Well, that's a good belief. Why? Because if the mind is supposed to take that belief and create life from it, and I am lovable, then what is it going to do? I'm going to create relationships that reveal I'm lovable because here they are. They're all over me now. <laughs> okay. So I say, great. Step one, if you can, self-hypnosis is a process that allows you to download a program in the subconscious, but it doesn't affect consciousness at all. Okay. And you repeat this and there's a day you wake up and without even knowing it, you're automatically engaging in the new program and the function of the mind is to make that program manifest and all of a sudden what you've been looking for is now there. Ah, what a surprise. Cool. A second way of putting programs in is, well, you still learn programs after age seven. You learn how to drive a car. You may have gotten an instrument and you say, well, here's a new instrument. Play it. You go, I don't know how to play this. I say, well, how do you learn? You have a practice and you repeat the practice every day. Repetition, repetition. I go, what then happens? That's called habituation. There's a point where I practice so much, I don't have to look at the music score anymore. I could just pick up the instrument and play it. Why? Because I repeated it to make a habit and the habit doesn't require any thinking. I can pick up the instrument without thinking about it and play it. Why? I already downloaded that program through repetition. You want to change a belief that's not working? You engage in a behavior that is supporting what your vision wants. Uh, I, I like it because the new agey take on this is fake it till you make it. Well, you let's say you're a very unhappy person. Every day you look around and go, geez, I'm, I'm not happy. This world, I'm sad. This world sucks. I'm not real happy. I say, but you want to be happy. So I say, then what do you do? Repetition. As many times during the day, you go, I am happy. I am happy. You could be most miserable son of a gun out there, but you keep repeating, I am happy. I am happy. And I say, what's the relevance? Repetition leads to habituation. There'll be a day where you wake up and you won't even have to say, I'm happy, because once the program is in, the function of the mind is to manifest the program. So one day I wake up and it's just like, I don't have to say I'm happy because I woke up, hey, I am happy. I am happy. And the reality is you put in a new program, habituation. So that's the second way. There's a third way, and this is really critical because I give a very important fact here. Uh, human civilization is now facing what is called the sixth mass extinction of life on this planet. Five times in the history of this planet, life was thriving and some cataclysmic event wiped out between 70 to 95% of all life. The last Mass extinction occurred about 66 million years ago when the earth was thriving ecosystem wise and massive dinosaurs were all over the place and life was going full out. A comet hits near Mexico and upends the ecosystem and 90 plus percent of life gets wiped out. That's called the mass extinction. The dinosaurs disappeared. They were part of the 90 percent that got wiped out. Today, we're facing what is called the sixth mass extinction. And, and what's unique about it is it's not an outside cataclysmic force that is precipitating this extinction. It's our own human behavior that is undermining the web of life, nature, society, 
We're destroying the planet. And I go, oh, my God, we're creating this. And I say, and, and science is recognized. Yes, human behavior, as we're doing it right now, cultural belief around the world is actually sabotaging our own existence. So I go, wow, we have to change our behavior. And I go, you bet, because if you don't, extinction is not a thousand years from now. Extinction is in decades, just decades from now. I go, well, we, what do we got to change? I said, well, human behavior is causing the problem. You have to change human behavior. Well, that's what we've been talking about. I said, well, okay, you can put the earphones on or you can do the repetition. I said, no, we got to change faster than that. And a new modality of psychology is manifest now called energy psychology. I go, what's unique about it? It is a processing mechanism that engages super learning that you can download new behaviors in minutes, not days and weeks, in minutes. I said, well, how do you do that? I said, well, you have to engage the super learning process. And I go, well, these modalities uh, do just that. And I say, why is it relevant? Because if I take the statement that I now want to be true in my life using energy psychology, I can download that statement in matters of minutes rather than days or weeks. Uh, and I say, well, uh, what are these processes? So I just give people a very good hint. My website, very straightforward, brucelipton.com. Under resources, there's 30 different energy psychology modalities to choose from. You can check them out, check their website, whichever one appeals to you, go for it, try it out. If it doesn't work, there's another one. And I say, why is this relevant? Because it engages that super learning. Super learning? I go, you may have experienced that or seen somebody who can read a book by taking the book and moving their finger down the page, just like that. They've read every word on that entire page. That is an expression of super learning. If I could use super learning, I can then use that to download a behavior, not, as I said, not in days or weeks, but in minutes. And, and, and that's because uh, necessity is the mother of invention. We have a real necessity to change our behavior as soon as we can, as fast as we can, because we are creating the extinction. It's looming right in front of us. And the only way out is that humans change their belief systems. And so this program to me is a very important program because your program is going to offer, hey, it's not working right. How can I make it work right? And I'm saying, when you learn how to make it work right, then we will not be going extinct, that, that we will bring back the environment and thrive into the future, but not using the conscious programming that we have right now, because that programming is the cause of the problem. So uh, we need to change three ways. Conclusion, number one, uh, self-hypnosis, earphones on at night, every night you go to bed. Number two, Fake it till you make it, repeat and repeat a belief that you want to be real, and then habituation will manifest it. And three, to rapidly change belief, uh, you can engage one of these energy psychology modalities, which offers uh, opportunity to change, not in days and, and long time, but really fast. And the beautiful part about this is you only put the effort in to get the program in, because once the program is in, you have no more effort.
You don't have to do it. Why? It's been doing it automatically anyway. It's just been giving you the wrong program and you haven't put any effort into it. It works automatically, subconsciously. So this is a beautiful part. It's not like, oh, every day you have to struggle. Once you get the program in, struggle is gone because now you will automatically be running from the program to manifest your wishes and desires if that's what you program yourself into that mind. And, and from an individual perspective, once we go through these processes of either one of those three I, three modalities for turning our lives around, making being being happier, is the result of that more optimism, healthier choices, better relationships, more concern with uh, ecology of the planet, better politics? Does it is it does it come from the individual and then it just manifests out in ripples where everything is affected, including Gaia herself? Is that is that where you're going? Uh, absolutely. One of the things we have to recognize is something new, relatively speaking, and that is this. I could read your brain activity by putting wires on your head. It's called the electroencephalogram. And the reason I could read the activity is because the electrical activity of the brain is conducted to the skin like a wire. And I can pick up that electrical activity with these. So uh, that's the belief that inside my head, there's a consciousness working and I can read it on a screen using this electroencephalogram. But there's a new modality to read brain function called not electroencephalograph magnetoencephalograph instead of EEG is called MEG. I say, why is it relevant? And here's why it's relevant. The probe that reads your brain function does not touch your body. The probe is outside, outside, not even touching. I say, well, why is it relevant? I'm using a probe to read your consciousness inside your head and the probe is out here. What does it mean? Your thoughts are not contained in your head. Your thoughts are broadcast like a tuning fork to the world outside. Every person has a power to make change. But if you get a large number of people to share the same belief, then the amplification of that tuning fork is so great that it manifests a world of change. Even if you don't believe in it, other people's power is causing a change in the environment. So the idea about this is, our thoughts are not contained in our head. They're broadcast into the field. And while they're in the field, they're manifesting a personal experience for us. But if a collective large number of people share exactly the same thought, then it becomes a reality in our world. So I go outside right now and I say, I want peace in the world. And I go, great. I yelled it out. There's still war going on. What the hell is wrong with my creativity? And I go, you want to change the world, but you're only a small you know, tuning fork. If I get thousands of people in the street, all of them saying, we want peace in the world, then there's enough of a, an energy field to manifest that peace. Well, so your, all of a sudden, well, and to your collective. point, it, wouldn't it be, I am peace in the world instead of I want peace oh, in absolutely. the world, right? I, thank, you, thank you for correcting me on that because it's not, remember I said, the want part is the failure of yeah, the program. It will, it will, it will, I want peace in the world. Yeah, we'll keep, doesn't mean I get peace. We'll just keep a desire. Yeah, we'll keep giving you that want. We'll reinforce that want. The external manifestation of your wanting is more wanting. But if 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 we show up and we are peace and we 
you know, proclaim we are peaceful, uh, then that that's then, then that's then that's getting at it, right? That's that's absolutely it. I mean, um, Gandhi changed the world not because he wanted to change the world; he just lived the world that he wanted it to be. And other followers observed how he was doing it and tried to do exactly the same thing, and that's how how they changed it. Right. Be, okay. Be so, the, be the change you wish to see in the world, right? We're we're in conflict. Uh, I have a great desire, but I'm not, you know, working toward that by my behavior. Matter of fact, my behavior might be canceling that. So I'm always in a want. And thank you for catching me on that because that's an important point. I am peace, you know, and and peace should be in my world that way. But if a lot of people don't agree with me, then I'm the only one with a small amplifying tuna fork that is not going to change the rest of the world. I need a community to change the rest of the world. Uh, and so we're we're transcending our personal creation to make a global creation. And that's what we, we need to do at this point. Uh, and this is the coolest part. So if I go back to, to indicate, as I said, um, we, we have had opportunities where we stop playing the programs that have, have caused us problem. And that we started creating from the conscious mind, which is wishes and desires. So I relate that analogy back to the movie, The Matrix. Everybody's got programmed. That's just true. That part of Matrix is a true, that's documentary. But in The Matrix, uh, they say that if you take a blue pill, uh, when you wake up, you're back in the same old world you always knew. But if you take a red pill, you wake up and, and you're out of the program. And I say, wow, that sounds really neat and science fiction-y. And I go, but guess what? Yes, we've all been programmed. And guess what? Most of us, at least when we reach adult age, have taken that red pill with profound consequences in our life. I go, what was that? What was the red pill? Science has recognized that when we fall in love, we stop thinking. We start being mindful. We're not thinking anymore. And I go, well, what do you mean? I go, well, look, if you're looking for this person your whole life and they show up, this is the time to think. This is time to be there. <laughs> be present. Yeah. And that means we keep our hands on the wheel. If you fall in love, you keep the conscious mind working the wheel and it, it doesn't default to the subconscious programming. I go, yeah, conscious mind is wishes and desires. So what do you think happens when you fell in love? Your wishes and desires manifest a life experience that is equivalent of heaven on earth. And I go, wow, it's called the honeymoon. I go, how did we have a blah, 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 blah life? And then one day we meet this person and then 24 hours later, you're going around going, wow, life is great. Life is beautiful. Everything's, hey, the music's great. The food's good. Even the stinky job's not so bad. I'm in love. I go, 24 hours? You, you went from blah to heaven on earth? I go, that's all it took was to stop playing the subconscious programs, the equivalent of the red pill. That's what love is, because it keeps our conscious hands on the wheel. And now our life is coming straight from wishes and desires. And that's why the honeymoon is like this most expressive, loving, God, I love this planet. I love my life and all that. And, and that's called the honeymoon. And then just to cap, you know, put the cap on that. It says, but the honeymoon doesn't last for many people for a long, you know, it's a short period. And then they're back to more regular life. I go, well, what happened? I say, how did you create the honeymoon? Answer, I stopped working from programs and started creating from wishes and desires. I said, well, how come the honeymoon ends? 
because somewhere along the lines, thinking starts coming back in. Even though I want to stay mindful, there's a, I got a job, I have responsibilities, I got things to do. I start thinking. I say, what happens when you start thinking? I say, uh-oh, now your behavior is not coming from wishes and desires. It's coming from those evil programs you got from your family and your community. And I say, why is it relevant? Look, you're in a relationship with another person. Both of you are creating what? Wishes and desires. And one day your partner comes to see you. But guess what? You are thinking. <laughs> and when they ask you some simple question, your response is blah, blah, blah. And, and your partner looks at you and goes, who are you? Where did that come from? The story of Bill, my friends, yeah. because what you just did is you started playing your programs, negative ones. Your partner has never seen them because the honeymoon excluded the negative programming. And now for the first time, your partner starts to say, what kind of behavior is that? The story of Bill comes in. What are you talking about? I'm not like my father or whatever it is. And it's like, yes, you are in the subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind program sabotage the honeymoon and turn it back into that regular struggle that was there before you met your friend. And then all of a sudden life has lost the juiciness of what heaven on earth represented. And now it's, hey, struggle life. And it's like, again, internal. It was all internal. And if you understand this, you can rewrite the program. So what's the conclusion of all this? It's like, now here's the amazing conclusion. Your conscious mind has wishes and desires. Your subconscious mind may not support any of that. So I say, yeah, but if I use hypnosis, repetition, energy psychology, what can I do? I say, I could rewrite my negative programs and put in programs that represent wishes and desires. I go, then what would happen? I go, then if I'm thinking 95% of the day, it doesn't make any difference because whatever program is now coming out of my subconscious is the same program that my conscious had for wishes and desires. So I'm manifesting heaven on earth with no effort because it's all operating on subconsciously. I go, wow. So heaven on earth does not have to be a short honeymoon period and to do that is take the power back of, from the programming by putting in the programs that you want. And then we go back to the same issue. The mind resists this change, but when you understand hypnosis, repetition, and energy psychology, you have the tools to go into that habitual mind and write new habits. And, and then I say, well, what's the beautiful part? Once the habit's in there, you don't even have to work on it anymore. You'll have heaven on earth without ever thinking about it. It'll just automatically be that way because that's the way life has been running anyway, except the programs you're using don't get you there. Hmm, that's lovely. It, it is. We're not victims of the world. We're only victims of the program. Yeah, yeah. And operating from a place of love, as gaggy as that is for some folks, <laughs> it's like if you love, if you love your partner, if you love yourself, if you love your life, if you make a conscious choice to be in that state of love to act in that state of love, to be present with that state of love, and that's your, that's your operating system, then things fall together, man. So I, I like everybody to fill in a blank uh, to, to finish out the episode. Um, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, I really appreciate this 
this is going to be the most uh, simple post-production edit I've ever had to do. <laughs> and I and I should have known because I just, you know, just like throw something up and uh, and you take off with it. And I and I love that. Um, so I have everybody fill in this fill in this blank <clears throat> question. Uh, all my guests, um, based on everything you know, if you would please fill in the blank. Everyone would benefit from knowing. We are not victims of the world we're experiencing. We are creators. That if you don't like the experiences that you are, are, are have in your life, it is you that has the power to rewrite the programs and manifest that heaven on earth, which you may have touched already once or twice in your life right now. But once you understand that it wasn't a coincidence, that heaven on earth, that it was a con- you know, concept of consciousness, you are empowered to make that a way of life. We're born into heaven. We create love, joy, health, happiness, and, and a beautiful planet. That's our responsibility. And yet we have been misdirected to uh, buy into all the negative stuff as that's just the way life is. That No, life isn't that way. That's a program that life is that way. Uh, and it's interesting that the idea that we have been programmed, which we've talked about in the first seven years, is not a new idea. The Jesuits for 400 years have told their followers Give me a child until it is seven, and I will show you the man. They already knew that whatever program that went in before seven, that program will manifest as the rest of your life. I go, wow, they told people this for 400 years. Nobody really understood what the hell they were talking about. And I go, but those that control the world do understand what they were talking about. They have changed the programming to be much more effective than the Jesuits could have ever imagined in programming. When you see an infant that could hardly walk, carrying an iPad around, you're looking at, oh my God, they're programming that infant. He can hardly even walk. And now he's got an iPad and he's doing this programming stuff. Uh, You start to see, oh, we have been programmed at earlier ages by those that want power. And therefore we perceive ourselves as victims. It's only a belief that we are victims because the truth is we are creators. But if I put in create victim, I can do that too. And I can manifest victim all day long, even though I am the creator. And, and this is the wake up call because the world demands that we change our behavior. And what's the, you know, what's the side effect of changing our behavior? And the answer is, ah, eh, having a life of heaven on earth, you know, that's okay. Heaven on earth, ah, come on, man, that's what we're looking for. Sounds good. I go, that's the destination. And, and uh, our audience out there right now, uh, Uh, Sean, is so critical because it's the collective creation that manifests the global experience. And as each person starts to get their power back, the world can change from the edge of extinction that we're sitting on right now into heaven on earth. And and the ecosystem and the people can all thrive into the future rather than struggle as we've been programmed to believe life is a struggle. It's like, no, it's not. Only the program is a struggle. Dr. Bruce Lipton, thank you so much for your time and joining us today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. I, uh, again, uh, so happy to be here to talk with you, uh, but more importantly, to give a little light to this audience that could look out at the world and go, 
this, oh my God, it's crazy. And I go, you don't have to live in crazy. That's just being part of the program. You can disconnect from crazy in the middle of crazy people. You could have heaven on earth all around you. And that is our destination because that's why we're here. Uh, conclusion for me is a lot of people are programmed to believe, well, if you have a really good life here, you get to go to heaven where you ha- you get that heaven life. And I go, no, <laughs> this is where we came as spirits to create using a mechanism of creation. If you're dead, you have the consciousness, but you have no mechanism. And so how you know, you, creating without a mechanism is much more difficult. And so I, I've changed my whole life. It's like, no, I, I'm not going to wait to go to heaven. I'm going to darn well live it right now. And, and and gosh, for a guy who was a non-believer in all this stuff, my life is like, oh, my God, I love my life because I understood it, you know, took the change, put the effort in, and now I walk around with good stuff coming to me rather than me chasing it, which was my former life experience. Beautiful, wonderful message. Such an honor. Thank you so much for, for being with us today. I thank you, and I especially thank our audience again. So uh, thank you, and I'm wishing everybody a happy Heaven on Earth experience for all of us. Yeah, right on. Bruce Lipton. You know, I've been a fan of Bruce's for a very long time, and I've read his work, and I've listened to his lectures. And the cool part about this conversation for me was we all know that consciousness shapes our reality. I mean, that's if... If you're not on board with that yet, uh, get on board with it. You know, the observer effect is real. Consciousness has an influence on the world around us. It certainly has an influence on the way that we live our lives and how happy we are, how sad we are, you know, our existence itself, consciousness itself. And what he's given us here is actually tools, techniques, practices that we can work on on ourselves to reprogram our subconscious mind. I mean, the statistics around that 95% is, is subconscious is just, I mean, if you really think about why you live in the place that you do, why you say the things that you do, how your attitude toward people, you know, it's inherited or it's at least downloaded in the first seven years while you're in this, you know, hypnotic theta state fascinating stuff. I really hope that you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did because there's so much in it. I, again, I apologize for the for the challenging audio quality. It was a little choppy there in, in some parts, but um, I'm doing my best. Thank you so much for listening and I'd love to hear your feedback. You know, I, I try to create a wide range of content for everyone, but the uniting theme across all of the guests and all the conversations that we have is, is this useful for me in my life? And I think that's why this podcast is so consistent and why so many people listen to it week in and week out. And they've told me about it because they they know that it's useful. Even if it's not in their wheelhouse, even if it's a little bit outside of their sort of preferred content, it's going to give you tools that you can use in your life so that you can live optimal. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I will see you next week, and I will see you on the internet.